With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello. Uh, we've all just taken a load of uh, happy pills. And we're going to be very positive about Reading Football Club in this uh, latest episode of the Elmpart Rolls podcast. They may wear off at some point and we may start to sink back into reality. So so bear with us. Um, it's not easy when you're bottom of the league. Neil, how are you? Not that happy. The pills aren't working. The drugs don't work, yeah. kids. As, as the Verve once sang, the drugs don't work. They just make you worse. Children of Reading FC. Thank, Thank you, you, Richard Ashcroft. <laughs> I didn't realise we had a singer-songwriter. No, it's not. Oh, it's not. It's Jacob. Yeah, I mean, it's an easy mistake to make, really, isn't it? Um, Richard Ashcroft, Jacob Southclain. Uh, that's me, by the way, guys. Hello. Uh, my happy pills have well and truly worn off, and I might need to double dip. I might need to a top up. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. I think we should just leave them in the middle of the table, see what happens with the drugs and just crack on. Yeah, plow on into the unknown. Yeah, who knows? Well, I guess we might as well talk about the Sheffield Wednesday match. Uh, you weren't at that, Neil. I was uh, watching some comedy. You're a lucky bastard. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> a mistake. Absolutely nothing. If I, was, uh, if I was trying to make a tenuous link, I'd say, you know, watching a comedy stand-up show and watching Reading versus Sheffield Wednesday is, you know, probably not that far apart, except... You know, one is hilarious and depressing, and one is hilarious and probably yeah. more... One you're meant to laugh at, one you yeah. shouldn't laugh at. Yeah. 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 It's cool no, to laugh you at. kind of know the script with Reading. Um, turned up a little bit for the first 10 minutes, maybe. Good. And then... Uh, <laughs> the rest of the 18, The rest yeah. of it, it just... Well, I probably could have talked about this from episode, I don't know, 10, whatever it was, to about episode 39. It's 40 now, and they've all been pretty similar, really. Mm-hmm. We kind of put in a weak effort... Um, then letting soft girls come back a little bit. Um, faith is restored, even though we know deep down it's not going to happen. And then we all go home because yeah. of full time home. And we go, let's it's, all come back next week. Put some repeat, really. Yeah, it? it is. It is pretty much it. I mean, first goal was just so poor defensively from our defence is well, it's getting towards our own six yard line. Uh, the central midfielders are. I don't know where they've gone. They've gone on some kind of holiday. And there's so much space for Reach to score. You could just... Just three of them lined up on the edge of our box. They were queuing up. They were queuing up. Um, there's a particularly damning picture. I mean, there's a particularly damning picture most weeks. I was going to say, if, if this is your first Elm Park Royals podcast, ladies and gents, uh, this is just about the script for every single first goal that Reading have conceded since totally. the beginning of time or so, it feels like. Yeah. Um, so much space. So much space. Um, it's, it's just a bit of a joke. I mean, we, we've become such a parody of ourselves that we know if we concede the first goal, that's basically curtains. And we also know we're going to concede again um, at the beginning of the second half. And whilst we were all kind of expecting it against Sheffield Wednesday, we thought, right, maybe they're going to score against us in the 
first 10 minutes after halftime. Nobody was expecting it to take 15 seconds. Was it 15 <laughs> seconds? Seven seconds, I saw someone say? It's nuts. Like, it's straight from kickoff. And, you know, whilst I would have met a goal after halftime with sort of like quiet resignation if it had been five or ten minutes to score instantly from the kickoff when you're one nil down you've had 15 minutes to go in and have a team talk and you come out and you concede from the kickoff it just angered me yeah it was angry <laughs> no, no it was anger i was in that in between of anger and just it's so bad you just have to laugh because it was so poor everybody in the ground I mean just before they came out I said how much do you want to bet to the person who sat behind me that we're going to concede a goal straight away second half and they went oh no 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 don't don't say that and 15 seconds like you say and yet again they giving barely... them all the space in the world it's a great finish yeah but no pressure they barely finished playing Sweet Caroline yeah. They, like, Sweet Caroline had just stopped. <laughs> yeah. It was about a second before. <laughs> and that usually yeah. finishes late anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, so, I, I don't know, just a car crash. Car crash football, really. It was, it was, yeah. I'm trying, there are no positives to take from that. And we all know that what was going to happen, we were going to concede, but that just deflated everyone to a level of deflation that even Reading haven't seen yeah, we haven't recently. plummeted those sort of depths for a while now I mean we've whilst the score lines in games this season we haven't been battered numerically in mm. any games this season but we've suffered losses like we did at the weekend and on paper you think two on defeat you know that must have been a close affair it wasn't really two no. on flatters us um, I think sooner rather than later we're going to get found out in a major way. Yeah, Even I think more. so as well. Yeah. I mean, Maloney made a great... Well, I wouldn't say great save. He made a good save to stop it going to 3-0. Um, there was definitely points during that match when I thought we were going to have an Ipswich rerun from last season right to the end of 4-0 because it was, it was horrible. Mm. We were just being overran everywhere. Nobody was going anywhere. I mean, I suppose you could say Barrow had his chance just before half-time. And if he scores that, it could have been a different game. But honestly, I don't think so. You know, I don't want to be negative because obviously nobody can say for certain what would have happened. But we're so weak. And at home, we're just atrocious. Away, we're we're atrocious. (laughs) We're just atrocious. We're bottom of the league and we deserve to be there. There's no kind of, oh, hard luck stories. Yeah, maybe we've had a couple of games when we could have got a result, but not win those matches. No. No, I mean, we were saying on the podcast last week how if we had done what now seems like the unthinkable and if we got three points against Wednesday, we would have gone into the international break not being rock bottom, got the first win, been on the up rather than looking down. But instead the exact opposite's happened because not, not only have we lost and not only did Ipswich draw the next day so that we are officially 24th out of 24th, but for the next two weeks we've got to exist in this echo chamber of misery on social media and in ourselves and the club are going to be thinking well great we're bottom there's all this speculation about people's jobs and who's to blame and you know how did we get here and it's it's just it could have been so avoidable and yet here we are um it's i mean where is that first win coming from i know we're probably going to look to see who we're playing you know, later on after the international break, but we play Brentford next. 
and we've n- we have not got a good record against Brentford at the best of times. Not at all. No, so, I can't see us getting anything against them. And people say, oh, those are the kind of games that Redden do well in. But hang on, we've had 33 games with three wins. Yeah. We're not very good against anybody. I wouldn't fancy us against Cavish and Badgers at the moment. The boys, my local <laughs> team. We are atrocious. I mean, we did score a goal, Liam Moore got his header, which was a really good header. That's... um. Probably the one good moment of the whole match, isn't it? I actually thought it was going over. I was surprised when it went in. But I mean, he came out after the game and said, "I think it was one of the people from the club said to him, um, you know, Liam, how did it feel to score the goal?" And he goes, "It's irrelevant. It doesn't mean anything. We lost." Yeah. And in many ways, I think, well, good on him because I'm glad he's not sort of overblowing it because you know it was not a very important goal. It sort of it was a consolation goal in the end, but. Um, all the players are saying the right things. Well, Liam Moore is saying all the right things. You know, we've got to do our talking on the pitch. The goal means nothing. Mm-hmm. We're in this mess. We've got to get ourselves out. But it just—it's not happening. It's not no. happening. You'd—I mean, credit to David Myler who came out this week on social media when everyone was getting a pasting, and he fought his corner and fronted up where our club captain, who is also on social media, has just said nothing. Um, and um, again, he's saying all the right things, but he said, but ultimately you've got to do your talking on the pitch. But our talking on the pitch, both in terms of body language and actual language and playing, is just so tripe, so yeah. bad, so uh, um, spineless. Yeah, words. no, I, I would say I, I agree with you that I respect that David Myler came out and actually did have some interaction and not just the positive tweets saying, oh, everything's going to be okay and we still love you and, mm. you, you know, you play for my football team so I think the sun shines out of your ass, basically. Not just those ones. The ones that were being negative about him, he faced up to. Mm. And he dealt with it, I felt, within a good way. Do I think that he played well on Saturday? No, I don't. I don't think he played well at all. But... It takes something to come out and do that because yeah. so, so many players will only come out when things are going well. I mean, like you said, Jacob, where are all the other players? Yeah. And you know if by some miracle from above, who knows, you know, if we manage to get three or four wins on the trot or something, they'll all be back again. Yeah. And they'll be back in your face and they'll be putting out meaningless tweets that want you to retweet and like and say how great they are to boost their ego. That does sound very cynical of me, but that is how it works. Yeah, well, that, and yeah. it's and we've been driven to that place now where we we're looking at everything with that cynical, through that cynical lens, mm. um, and we have got to the point where I mean, how bad must it be for us to be criticising our players' social media interactions? Yeah, you it's, it's yeah. atrocious. Um, I mean, that's not a good place that, to be. That's the last place thing I want to be talking. Exactly. About. I mean, that's. Yeah. This is not the norm at any other club in the land, but like at Reading, it is so we're so devoid of anything at the moment that we are really trying to look for blame and things to complain about in anything because we want to attribute blame to anything, mm-hmm. and because we can't focus our anger at any one thing because there's so much wrong. Um, we just end up with this scattergun approach to venting and Mm. it's like I'm going to moan about that I'm going to moan about that I'm going to moan about that but also with the quiet acceptance it's not going to change anything whereas if all the fans were in unison and said this is the one problem which is never going to happen because there isn't just one problem Mm. um, then the sort of moaning that people are doing might be more constructive but it's not 
and you just get locked into this cycle where everyone is just pulling in different directions and it's miserable it's miserable yeah I mean the last thing as all three of us I assume would want, not want to do is sit here and criticise the club because we want to talk about positive things you don't want to talk about negative things and pointing out all the bad things because like you say there isn't just one issue there's a whole multitude of issues and I think that's personally that's what really worries me is there's not one player that's going to come in and change this. Mm. There's not one chief executive who's going to be able to come in and change it overnight. There's not one manager. That will just not work. It's deep-rooted. There is no club ethos. The, the levels have gone down so much to what is acceptable. It's just become ineptitude. Or in every single level, I see that. Yeah. I mean, I can't talk about the academy or anything because that's a different thing. But mm. if you look at... What you see on the pitch, that is a reflection of the club. That's the culmination. Be, yeah. That's the culmination be. of you know, <laughs> everything you see on the pitch is influenced by everything that's going on off yeah. the pitch. I think you summed it up perfectly on Twitter this week, Neil, saying that nobody, be it manager, chief exec, player, can come in and make a purse out of a pig's ear mm. of what we've got. You know, mm. Things are the way they are but there is no magic wand solution. And yeah. it's just like playing whack-a-mole with all these problems. Like you just think you've resolved one issue one issue, and another one will spring up yeah. and then you just get caught in a landslide of it. So. Yeah. Well, I've seen things on Twitter this week where you know, there's supreme clutching of straws of things where people are saying, we should have a, you know, a protest against something. It's like, well... It's not as if the club are going to go, oh, well, we've had a protest against Gourlay. Um, we better do something about that. Like, what motive have the club got to change anything mm. based on fans protesting about X? There's, there's, there's nothing that you could... I don't know. I mean, that comes up. Somebody's that. asked that question in here and um, they asked about a protest. So um, we'll come to that later. But, I mean, I think that does kind of show the level that we would be at. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I'm not saying saying it's it's a scattergun thing, isn't it? You know, one week it could be people complaining about Liam Kelly and how inept he he suddenly seems to be. And then it goes right to the other end of the scale of the the, the proper big incident, if you like, with the Chinese ownership. We don't hear anything from them. We don't understand Mm. the emission statement. We don't don't hear from them. Apparently, they were at the game. Were they at the game? No, nobody knows. All that kind of stuff. It just swings from one one end Mm. to the other. And that just shows the brevity of the whole problem. You could play it down to a single pass or the whole ownership. Everything in between is just up for grabs. For me, I want to know what Ron Gourlay's done that's good. Well, you posted that damning statistic this week from Tim Deller didn't you about like yes. the before and after and yes. and I know you can paint this in different ways and I'm sure there are other different benchmarks and measuring sticks you can use but if you, if we're dealing in facts from the minute that Gourlay, Ron Gourlay our chief exec has come through the door it's a different state of affairs and even though you can't I think AD Williams said you can't entirely blame performances on the chief exec because after all the players have got to play the game but he is right at the heart of the machine he is, he's is he got increasing influence over the transfer activity he's got increasing influence about you know who's employed by the club and the stances that the club takes to certain things on a business level and on a football level but I would argue that 
we've now sleepwalked into this situation where the club is a perfect storm in that you've got a chief executive who was at Chelsea, has taken a step down and is now at a championship club, which is a different ball game quite literally. Mm. In Brian Teverden, not only was he not a director of football before he took the job here, but then one of the best things he had going for him was that he had that relationship with Yapstam, who's now gone. Mm. Our manager, I think we've got we've flogged the horse to death on this, but it doesn't matter who we've got managing this team. It could be Jose Mourinho, it could be Pep Guardiola, it's Paul Clement and Absolutely. he's got to play the hand he's dealt. <clears throat> and then you've got the players who, for one reason or another, have their confidence driven into the ground by changes in managers, atmosphere from the fans, or just being a bad fit for the team, which is dictated by a transfer policy. I think we've also got a fan base that, whilst I cannot well I wouldn't dare criticise any of the fans after the dross that they've had to tolerate no, recently but I think we have been spoiled for so long we were spoiled for about well almost 10 well half a decade from 2006 onwards there was something going on every year we were fighting for something every year be it to stay up get promoted something and that appetite for success has now given away to what it is now and it's just this perfect environment for blame and continued failure and it's yeah I mean it's where does it end something's got to give I think another little aspect of that is some of the contracts that we've been handing out lately like Swift mm. Aluko uh, lately more I don't kind of see how that really helps the squad too much because they've been given monster deals in comparison to some of the other players, I'd imagine. And I don't think that really fosters unity as such. No. Yeah, and I okay, mean, I think you, that's just a... I think you look at the contracts, so that is a, an example of where you do wonder what's going on. I mean, mm. I understand that because they want to uh, increase the value in case they're sold. I understand but, that, but, so that's but it's, it's almost gone beyond that. It's like There's no way that any club's going to pay for John Swift's contract to be paid out at this point. No. It's like if you were like, you know, you had a cast iron player that was going to turn a week in, week out, and you'd say that player's going to cost, you know, excess of 10 million to pay out if he's to go to, you know, somewhere else. The problem there is, is that John Swift has lost all form. Yeah, but, you know, we we gave him the confidence when he wasn't actually on form either. But if he was in form, we'd say that was a good contract move. I don't know. I still think it would be excessive to to move on. How long did they give him? Four years? Yeah, it was at five. I think, I think it was you've both raised the point of like balance and as not being knee-jerk. Mm. I mean, for us to be handing out four-year, five-year, yeah. all this, like the Reading of yesteryear, which I know is gone, but when in our past have we handed out contracts of that length yeah. and on no, those no, terms? I can't think yeah. of any time. And um, yeah. if you think of the situation around which we've given, say not to name drop, but Liam Moore, a new and brewed five-year deal, that, I mean, whilst he is one of our best players, fine, that came about through him manoeuvring rather than us going, right, well, he's been fantastic so far this season, we need to tie him down. Yeah. And it's more of a political contract move rather than rewarding... Yes. success yes I mean even all those contracts that we handed out off the back of us getting third place we didn't win anything for coming third I mean fine we had a, an amazing 
anomaly of a season to come third and have mm. success in quotation marks but we didn't get promoted fine we reached the playoff final but then all of a sudden we were handing out contracts like confetti it's like Gunter you get one Swift you get one Moore you get one Vandenberg yeah Vandenberg I think the last player to get one who actually had it through improvement of imp- performance was Liam Kelly mm. at that point yeah. when he got his contract he thought okay that makes sense all the other ones you've both pointed out, I agree. It's a kind of, oh, just stay with us and not really but even do, protecting do, it. Do you think that has led to a, a bit of... Laziness? Uh, well, complacency, because <laughs> as we've heard towards the tail end of last season, it was the, the, the idea was we'll be all right. And the players thought we'd be all right, even though there was nothing really to justify well, some of them that did. thinking. Well, yeah, yeah I, I can't speak them. for them all. Yeah. But... There was that feeling that it, it doesn't matter, we can still be good enough. Whereas now we're bottom of the table and we're patently not good enough. Yeah. And you can't rely on that train of thought that I've still got my money, I'll just turn up. Well, we've, Because we've, it, it's, it, it's, it's clearly not going to work and we'll be relegated. If you've got the fire, pardon my French, if you've got the fire under your ass of knowing that your deal's running out, yeah. you, you play better. If not yeah. for Reading for the prospect of someone else snapping you for up. Sure. We've seen that with Robson Carney. Sorry to bring him up again, folks. Twice um, in two I know, episodes. I'm on a streak, I'm on a streak. Gareth McCleary, some people yeah. would say. Yeah. But Nick Blackman. Yeah, um, We've had players like that mm. who have known that they've got to perform. I'd say cynically, Danny Williams. Yeah, to get so, moved, yeah 100%. Yeah. But now, who have we got in the squad at the moment that's like playing for their life? Or playing. I don't mean yeah, for, to get a new contract. Yeah. Better. Yes. Um, we haven't. I don't think no. we've got a single player like that. Correct me if I'm wrong, folks. If you're listening and you're mm. screaming at your your computer saying, "Well, X player," but um, I can't it, think. of No one. key players who I can think of in the first team are in that situation. Mm. I mean, how long did we give to Sonia Luca when he signed? Was that five years oh, as well? No, four. I think. No, it's four. But how? How? He's already up twenty nine. He's twenty nine. Yeah. But how sad it is to think. We need a player that's in the last year of his contract, effectively to turn us around because yeah. he's got to play for a move. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah. It, it doesn't doesn't smell right, really. Well, this is something the club always used to get criticised for. They leave the contracts a little bit too late. Yeah. But maybe with hindsight, actually, Nicky Hammond had some good thoughts about that and thought, mm. if I but, do it at the right moment, it keeps them hungry, and if yeah. they really want to leave. But, but as Jacob said, we, if we did, you know, reintroduce a new contract, you'd be like, here's an extra year, here's two, um, maybe three, an absolute push. But to do four and fives, they're, yeah. they're silly because you know any player that we've got that's got a year of four and five, yeah. um, they're not going to be here in year four or five. That's ridiculous. It's, um, it's not going to happen. I mean, whilst we we understand as fans that they're tying down their, you know, open quotation marks best assets or the most saleable assets, e.g. Liam Moore, but to dress it up as this great, big, spectacular, celebratory event, like, hooray, he's going to be here for another five years. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine Liam Moore being here when he's 30? We were saying this before we kicked off the podcast tonight. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's that's just yeah. cloud cookie land, and it's almost... Um, I get that the club have got to put their own spin on things, but, you know, that's just really taking people for mugs, I think. Yeah, I, um, I think so as well. I think... Um, yeah, I'll be careful on that one. Yeah, <laughs> I've got uh, some thoughts on that, but um, but effectively, yeah. it's the agent saying to the club, "Well, he was going to be paid this much if he went somewhere else. How far can you go towards that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to keep him happy, to keep him here for at least another 
another two windows, let's say. And then I go, okay, we'll go that far. What should we do it? Five years? Yeah, that's fine. That's never, never going to happen, but we'll do it. Mm. And it just looks good, but it, it's only good for Liam. Well, let's just imagine this player, who uh, Player X we're called, and uh, he went uh, to uh, his club and said, oh, I'd quite like to leave, put in a transfer request. Then uh, Club uh, B tries to sign him and uh, can't get the right fee agreed with the club that the player's at. Then he meets with the owners and they say, oh, what about if we do this deal? We give you a certain amount of money and then you could leave maybe, say, for a little bit less next summer or in January, probably next summer. Hmm. What do we think of this? Oh, by the way, could you come out slightly and praise us as well? Hmm. Um, It's naive to think anything otherwise. Uh, That's not related to Liam Moore, though. Absolutely. It's football football wide, isn't it? Quite clear it's player X, you know. Player X. This mystery (laughs) player X. I mean, to to drift away from Reading for for a minute, they were talking about new contract for Anthony Martial. It's like he's barely kicked a ball and they're talking a new deal. That's just agent spin, isn't it? And it's a part of the game, we know that. But when it happens for us, we're obviously, you know, heavily invested in it. And you want to see players actually deserve these contracts and not just put them up as saleable assets, even mm. if they're crap. Yeah, it's definitely. like we're never going to get rid of them. There's you know, at but least I mean, two players we can think of that have got very good contracts. Oh, yeah. No one's interested in them. Never will be in this, right? As, as ridiculous a comparison as it maybe is to compare a giant club like United to little old Reading FC, um, you know, two clubs who are having wobbles of varying size at the moment the Martial situation at United where you've got the chief exec wanting to tie down a player and the manager not wanting him you know we've had that at Reading recently mm. I mean mm. again like without bordering too much on speculation but seeing what Dave Edwards said when he signed for us when Stan was still here um, Edwards signed and said I didn't know how to play Yapstam style of football mm. Um, so what was he signed So for? why did the powers that be above sign him? And that just adds to the whole recruitment and player issue that we got now, where you've got Clement, who doesn't fancy players signed under the previous regime, says that his squad's too big, um, isn't being able to bring in players that he wants or needs to, and it's just this rolling stone effect where you know no manager ends up with the players they want. It's Definitely. just everyone's cast off. Mm. I think that takes us nicely to the questions. <laughs> Very nicely. And I think the first one we're going to start with is from uh, A.D. Williams. And uh, who's, who's he? Uh, uh, you may have seen him. He you apparently played for Reading yeah. at some point. He's, he's on radio, yeah. Back, so yeah. Does a bit of radio. <laughs> a bit of radio, yeah. If you were a manager, would you sign a player that you've never seen play live? Now, as we were just talking about that, he's... Probably, as Yapstam's seen, uh, Dave Edwards, he might well have because he could have played him at some point. But if you look at, we've recently signed an Iranian, and uh, would you like to... I think... Said as Talahi. I think technologically, in this day and age, it would be very easy to sign a player that you've never actually seen in the flesh because there'd be enough footage of him around that you could obtain from many sources. I don't just mean four-minute clips on YouTubes of players banging in goals in for the under 23s um so you could i think in theory but as a professional business where you know the livelihood of the club is at stake you'd like to think we'd scouted a player properly at least four or five times in the flesh before 
you sign him in the last knockings of a window. It's the last 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that doesn't sound great when you've got a player, albeit he's played in the World Cup and he's an established international, all those things. It just doesn't sound great. And I know we're desperate for filling in holes in the centre of the park because it's a, it's one of the gaping problems that I wish I would never <laughs> refer to ever again. But um, it, yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't sound right, really, that we've just picked him up on, yeah, on very short notice through... Videos. It's an interesting question posed by Eddie, and I think it's interesting because there are multiple schools of thought. Um, yes, there was a requirement in our midfield for a player like Ezzelah. He he was identified by the scouting network. But if you're the manager and if you're under the pressure that Clement is under, you'd want to know that it was a you know a shrewd move or not. You know, and, and I know that that. He's kind of damned if he doesn't, damned if he doesn't. Because if, well, he has done what he has done. and so He's gone on the judgment of his scouting network. He's seen a video of the player and he's gone, right, bring him in. You know, all timing aside. If he'd gone out there and seen him play for Rostov in the Russian Premier League, all our fans would have gone, well, why is he in Russia? Why is he not preparing for this, that and the other? We've got a scouting network. What a waste of... This and the other. So I mean, I I kind of get it. Um, my main issue is the timing of it because mm. it we clearly missed out on other targets if we have to dip into the loan market on the last twenty four hours of the window when the need has been there for so long. Yeah. I mean, it's been several podcasts on the bounce now that we've been preaching until we're blue in the face that our our problem area that we think is the most problematic, and there are a few, is the midfield. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I don't nothing, think it's the magic solution. Nothing has ever come out from this signing that says he was he's been a target all summer or no. anything close to that. Because, like um, you say, he's he played at the World Cup. So if we saw him at the World Cup and thought, "Well, he's great," you'd have moved. Yeah, shortly weeks after. ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there could have been some manoeuvring. It's like, well, we've got to see how other clubs and their interest in him pans out first. But it doesn't even seem to be anything like that. We've just seemed to have stumbled across his availability somehow. Mm. And um, he's, he's chosen to come along, um, and it just seems, along with the many of the other signings that we've had, that we got him because we could rather than because we should. Yeah. And you know, as we we know last season and now this, and you mentioned Danny Williams before, and it is pretty much a catalyst since Danny left that a lot of things have fallen to absolute shit in midfield because we haven't got a driving force of any kind. But a lot of the signs we've made are just like, well, what was he actually brought in for? What, yeah. what was he changing? What, what were we replacing? Yeah. What is he, was he giving us any different than what we already had? A lot of things just don't seem to really fit well. No. And there seems to be that massive disconnect between who's doing the recruiting and then who wants the player. It's like we're having to like invent our own theories about why the business has happened you yes. know, in the first place, which is never a good sign. I mean, if you yeah. think about how we got to this stage where we're signing um, as Talahi on loan on the last day of the window, we sold George Evans at the beginning of the summer for peanuts to Derby County. And we know he wasn't getting a look in for one reason or another. And we were speculating about this or that. So we've sold a defensive mid. We haven't replaced him, really. Um, we tried quite clearly to sign Jay Felton. Yes, yes. Yeah. But yeah, that's what, one of the ones that hasn't happened. And then that didn't materialise. And then we've had options 
through either the academy or you know whatever I mean Andy Rinnemalter who mm. maybe not be the same calibre as what Clement wants but he's sat on the bench most weeks now you know give him a go In, instead we've gone for a 21 year old Iranian from the Russian Premier League on the last day of the window it's, it's, it just feels like again a scattergun approach to the transfer policy like the way we tried to replace um, Danny Williams who was such a crucial crucial force in our midfield we replaced him really with Bakuna and Edwards who are different players and don't really fulfil the same role and similar to how we never really replaced like I don't know Steve Sidwell or players from the past we have not to this day replaced Danny Williams no we haven't come close I mean the only person we were slightly unlucky with I mean I'm not sure he'd been as good was Stephen Quinn yeah I mean he yeah. scored didn't he on Saturday as well but uh, still you're right we don't replace players we're just yeah. kind of we're playing a transfer roulette now aren't we yeah it's like this magic roundabout of transfers like we'll ship out one player and get in an equivalent and not an improvement yeah, we're I the bottom of the pile when players want to um, go somewhere in the championship now. Certainly now, yeah. yes, totally. I mean, unless you're about twenty-eight and you want a good contract, that—that's. I mean, I yeah, I don't want to be horrible about that, but that's where we are. We're kind of at a yeah. place where we're getting lots of players, and you think they're not really that massive improvement. They're okay, mm-hmm. but when you're getting big contracts, why would you not want to come here? I mean, I think. Ailey's talking about you know when he went back to the days of Brian McDermott, he'd go and scout players, and even when he was a manager, yeah, he'd want to go and see them, job, which it? makes sense yeah. if that's your job on the line. So I think the point he's also trying to make is what's Clement going to do? How can he survive if the players that are coming in mm. are not ones that you want? And do you want to live and die by a decision you've made, having watched them on a screen? Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, you know, well, if I mean, that's it's your the desperation. Job, there, if that's, yeah, if that's your job. <laughs> And you've got to make that call wow. under the pressure that you're under. I mean, Clement's a brave man. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, as much as people give him stick for Clement, and I understand that. When you've got three wins and no two wins, I think it is in 15 matches. More he, red cards than wins, folks. Yes, yeah, I saw that earlier. I mean, you're going to deserve criticism. That's a fact. Yeah. You you can't get away from that. I think he's. I saw he's got 10 points out of a possible 39. Ouch. I mean, over a whole season, you've got to say that's just over 30 points he's looking at. Yeah, and which teams have been relegated with 50-something in the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah. So. That's, that's going down, isn't it? It's dross. So. Another thing I've just remembered, actually, at the very outset of the season, um, we were talking about how many points we needed and the magical 50 and all that, and I said, kind of tongue-in-cheek, if we had six wins by Christmas... And I think you kind of laughed at me at that point. Probably. Yeah. And now looking back, it's like, shit, if we get six wins by Christmas, yeah. that's quite an improvement, yeah, I think. But at the be. moment... We're into September and we're currently sat on a big, fat zilch. Yeah, I've got to say, I need more drugs now. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that stack of... How about We need more. God, that has brought me down so much, that is. Please. Yeah, yeah well, it's need to... Yeah. And to cap this section off, we are basically relying on Estelai to turn the fortunes around on our midfield yeah. based on a video. Yeah, a yeah twen- maybe. And, and a twen- even Clement has said he's not the answer to all the No, no, he's not, but which... it's it's a, f- a first a bit of whack-a-mole that we might actually be able to nail down a little bit. Well, this is, what, this is what really gets me down. I mean, we have identified 
the issue of our midfield for a while now. Oh god, we banged on a bit for years. For, yeah, for yeah. a for a good old while, and this is the solution. Yes, yeah. or this is this is the one of the answers the that straw. they have for it, right? Yeah. And a twenty-one-year-old, no matter how good he is, I mean, he's probably going to be well beaten. I've said this, but a twenty-one-year-old Iranian bit part World Cup player who signed from Rostov and was in Atletico Madrid's C team is meant to yeah. you know make a tangible impact on exactly. what we've got. I mean hopefully he, he'll be he'll fit fit in perfectly yeah, and he'll be a good complement to whoever's alongside him, I assume Myla. Um and things things can start to bounce off the pair of them and we'll have a bit of fear in our midfield. But it's a hell of an arse. Pigs might fly, yeah. yeah. It does, it does indeed. Well, I'm going to come on to a different question now because uh, Ian Franton says, which we, we have covered this, but um, do you really think a change of manager would change things? I seriously don't think we're far away from positive results. International break could be just the toss. Tonic we need. Just the toxin. Just the toxin. Subconscious thinking. There. Sorry. I, I think with the, the international break, it's it's yeah. it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, as Jacob mentioned before. But I do wonder with an international break how much football coaching you can actually do when the problem is now clearly mental. Yeah, well, I think it's ability as well. But he did also say if just a couple of those chances on Saturday had fallen slightly different, which I did mm. mention at the beginning, if Barrett scored that goal, which wasn't a sitter, it was actually a decent save, I think, rather than a miss. Um, yeah, I suppose you can say it could have been slightly different. My gut feeling is that it wouldn't have been, but I think Ian slightly disagrees with that, clearly, in terms from his question. I mean, if I was yeah, to get a win there... I'd, I'd... I think when we got to the point last season with Stam, it was all about hearing a different voice in the dressing room yeah. with a different kind of rhetoric. And I was definitely and, big and, on that myself. I yeah, thought and, and, and I think it was. Mm. I think it was correct. Yeah. But now you, I don't think you can keep reinventing the wheel with the management when you see the squad is absolutely no different from mm. the talent pool that we had before. Either that, or the mentality is so low, it doesn't really matter who the players are. Um, they're of a certain level that can't be improved upon via coaching. Yeah. It's it's something else now that's bigger and deeper than that. I, I mean, we're talking about improving players when we've got the exact opposite. We've got players that are either stagnating or going backwards. You know, mm. and it's to to improve players that are stagnant is one thing, but to improve players that are actively before your eyes seemingly getting worse. You know, it must be so frustrating. It must be like, you know, grasping at sand if you're Clement. I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I think it feeds back into the quiet resignation that I've got that I really, in answer to Ian's question, I don't think it matters who we've got. No. But going into this international break with Clement missing so many of his senior players, I mean, Myler's been called up to Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, by the way, on a side tangent, like the day after... Myler was being praised on social media for coming out and you know interacting with that fans and whatever. The club then tweets saying, "Oh, you know, um, David Myler's been called up to Ireland," mm. and you get the same old people on the announcement saying, "You know, oh well, you know, why is he being called up? He's shit." And then Myler himself comes out and say, "Oh, cheers, guys." You know, he, he actually came out and said, yeah. "Oh, nice response from the fans." So the day after, he's people have been saying, "Oh, you know, good on you, David. Good on you." And then the next day, we're back to. Oh, he's shit. Anyway, um, so he's he's gone, and if I'm Clement, I'd want to really work with him 
I mean, has, has Gunter, Gunter gone with Wales? Yeah, I assume, assume so. so. I assume yeah. so, yes, yes. Um, and again, you'd want to work with Gunter as one of your senior players. And so he's been tasked with turning around our fortunes whilst also missing yeah. large components of his squad. And mm. that's a real catch-22 situation, I think. Yeah, and even Liam Moore said after the match, when they asked him on Saturday about it, he referenced the fact that, yeah, they can do some training, but as you say, Jacob, there's going to be key players that aren't there. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really difficult to work on shape, which I think is a key thing for us. We just need to stop conceding rubbish, just horrendous goals yeah. from just no pressure. And that's that's players just not doing their jobs. And people have pointed out different individuals in the team and everyone has their players they hate at the moment, basically. And mm-hmm. I can see why. But it's a collective group that we've got yeah, players. Yeah. We did it briefly. We did it for maybe one game against Derby, I felt. We looked like a team. We didn't get results, but we looked like we were playing as a team and I had a plan. Well, the plan's completely gone out of the window yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, on Saturday, it was all over the place. But, yeah, so some a couple of other people have asked about uh, a possible protest. Hmm. Scott Graham's hmm. asked about that. And Gideon Kasaka has good asked about name. Good name, Gideon. <laughs> it's a great name, isn't Congratulations it? Congratulations to Gideon's parents on giving him that name. Yes. Yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Kisaka. Indeed, yeah. indeed. It's a fine name. When is it a fair time for fans to start taking action against Gourlay? Some kind of protest against the way he's running the club upstairs. And you can stop, Jacob. <laughs> I'll carry on what I can You're on back. Which, which window at the ground are you going to protest to? <laughs> Just who and where is going to see it? I can understand why people want to. It, it's I think, to the, I think the idea the of the championship. I think the idea at, of it is is plausible, but what else is working? What, what else is working? No, I, I, I Nothing. Don't, I don't. Just I'm not saying it's irrelevant, but I'm just saying who's going to listen to it and make take anything out of it. I just don't. No, see I know. That I think it would. I I think it would. Some people it would get rid of their frustration. I think yeah. it's yeah. I think it's that. I mean. We, I'm looking at things through that cynical lens again, but I think it's just a way of making people feel better. Yeah, you know, rather than yeah. actually enacting any sort of change. Because yeah. the fact that people have to like decide what they're going to protest about, they're like, right, let's have a protest about what? Because you can't protest about everything, mm. but if you protest about something, that's sort of tacitly ignoring all the other issues we got. So it's it's difficult. I mean. Yeah. It, it does depend on your angle, doesn't it? Of if you're saying it's Gourlay, you'd still have twenty different opinions of what it is that Gourlay has or hasn't done. Yeah. That would be the issue. So, for me, I think you've got to be either united on one single person, but know what that person has actually done or yeah. not done. But with Ron, it's Ron just a case of yeah. well, we just think it's you because since you turned up, then the stuff hasn't happened. Mm. But it, it it might not be. It's, it's probably a combination of absolutely everything, and we can't necessarily protest against the Chinese because they're not here to see it. Mm. Um, we can protest against the players, but that's not necessarily going to help. Um, it, it's it's protesting against the situation. I totally understand that, but mm. I don't. I don't see what the what the reaction is. We're actually going to get out of it. Would be, yeah. um, I, I'd much prefer there would be something that you'd see on a match day, but that would just turn into a massive boo fest, uh, yeah. and then nobody wants that. I mean, it's, um, it's it's a kind of embarrassing to mention this in the same breath as a club like Charlton, but mm. at Charlton, 
they there is a large number of people protesting about the same thing. Mm. Whereas if something happened at Reading, I mean, we've, yeah. we've seen it with lesser things. Like, pe- there, there would be the the naysayers very early on saying, like, well, why are they protesting about that? Or, like, how embarrassing? Or, like, what are they doing? And so you're kind of on hiding to nothing instantly. But I get how people have the reason for concern that they do. I mean, look at where we are on the table. Yes, we were saying totally. before we started the podcast, if you're, a, if you're an opposition fan and you stumbled upon the um, Reading FC hashtag today, this evening, I would be inclined to say, why is nobody freaking out? You know, because this is not a one-off. Like, we've been on the slide, we're now rock bottom of the table. There is not many positives to be had anywhere. Why aren't people freaking out? And I think the reason why people aren't freaking out is because there's just this overwhelming smog of different things. There's and, too uh, many, isn't there? Yeah, there's too many. There's too many. Definite thing. And like you say, I think the issue is that the owners are perceived to be just distant owners. They might be a lot of the games. I, I don't know for that for a fact. But I asked on the poll on Empire Rolls, who do you think takes the most responsibility for a run of three wins from 33 matches? Because that covers two seasons now. Yeah. So not just a little look at this one. And only 5% said the owners and 34% said Gourlay and Teverden, but the owners actually employ Gourlay and Teverden. It's a pyramid, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. 51% still say the players, which is obvious because they're the people on the pitch. And ultimately they do take the responsibility. But who is buying these players? I mean, I just look at the characters of our players, I'll probably tweet about at some point, and I think they're just weak. Mm. And I don't look at a lot of them and think that I would trust them to look after a garden plant for more than five minutes. You wouldn't trust Honestly, them with your garden, would you? Some of them. Mm. They I mean, give up so easily. I think what's characteristic of the club from an outsider's perspective, such as myself, I mean, it's kind of sad for me to refer to myself as an outsider when I'm, I'm a, I love this club and I'm a fan and, you know, all that jazz. But from an outsider's point of view, nothing is done nowadays with any sort of sense of decisiveness or mm. conviction and it feels like we're kind of firefighting rather than building. Yeah. Um, it's like, who do we bring in to get something out of the players rather than who do we get in to improve the players or to like take us onto new heights? It's like, who do we get in to stop the rot rather than who do we get in to propel us upwards? Yeah. yeah. And they're two very different things. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's I, I get why people lay the blame at the players' door. I think the players have kind of been set up to fail because they've all been brought here, partly of their own volition, to feed into a plan which is no longer here. No, and I don't think the plan was ever there. And what is the plan? Yeah, yeah. yeah that is the problem. I saw, so this, I saw this brilliant, um, brilliant graph this week from, I don't know if either of you follow this chap on Twitter, he's called uh, Ben Mayhew. He uh, runs a, a blog called Experimental yeah, 361. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, he's done this fantastic graph for each championship and premiership club. Premiership? It's like, what year is it? Premier League. Premier League. And it's based, it's squad churn. And oh, it's right. like percentage of minutes played... Um, by players who are still here. I've probably explained that really badly, but it's like, um, yeah. it's say, um, take the squad from last season and take away minutes played from players who are no longer here. It's like your Vandenbergs, your Kermans. Your turnover of players, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're left with 85% of the same squad. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, it's 
you're looking for different results with the same materials, the yeah. players. It's the definition of insanity. It is, isn't it? it? it you is. know, you're, the definition of insanity is trying the same thing, expecting different results and expecting to succeed. Yeah. And I don't think they can. I think this group of players has now reached a ceiling mm. and they just are not going to Which is again. why I think the argument of like replacing Clement with... I think who's the latest there? Mick McCarthy. <laughs> yeah. um, it seems to be in vogue, but it's like, well, what would Mick McCarthy do apart from shout at them? Yeah. That like, would be any different tactically than a magic comedy do. interview. Yeah. You can't say right, uh, or Liam Kelly, you've been playing in this this way as a kind of quarterbacky midfielder. What we really think you are is a uh, attacking midfielder a la John Swift and no one's ever thought of that before it's like none of these miracles exist or are going to happen no. these players are coached to, to know what their positions are going to be yeah. and the manager's job is to put them in those little holes and then those little fine tactics are, you know shape what the team do but I can't see anyone else coming in saying no you, you've done it all wrong yeah these players can do so much different with this bit of instruction it's, yeah. it's just as you say, the, the ceiling of these players has been reached mm. and we can't get beyond that unless they are churned out. Yeah, yeah. Michael Kent brought up uh, Mick McCarthy as a possible man that he'd like to see here. So I think we can work out from that one that uh, nobody's that keen on Mick McCarthy. I mean, I can think of worse myself, but yeah. Yeah. I think it is more than just shout. Let's, well, I think that's a little bit yeah, harsh. But that's yeah, I think the, Martin Allen. I think the, the idea of, of Mick McCarthy is someone who can, he can organise them better. Yeah. He can yeah. put a bit of structure around Definitely. it. He's and, someone and in the Allardyce mould, really, isn't Yeah, it? but I, I still don't see how tactically that changes yeah. you on the pitch to such a degree that we, we, we go from relegation fodder to you know comfortable mid-table. I mean, let's... Lest we forget Ipswich last season weren't exactly great and he was gone when yeah. yeah, they, 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 they yeah. look how bad they are this season now he's gone yeah. I think that's the they thing I mean the so. fact that we're cr- some people are crying out for Mick McCarthy is the solution when Mick McCarthy fair enough he's, he's good at what he does which is taking a club who's near the trapdoor on a budget and then making them into something functional and workable like he did that at Wolves because as soon as he left Wolves and Terry Connor took over. They went down. Yes, he did it at Ipswich. I mean, Ipswich have got no money and are not world beaters, and he kept them in the Championship for years, and are now staring at the abyss like us. Um, how bad must things be for some people to go? He's he's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Mick, you're the one. This is where we are. We need yeah. someone to come in who's going to do really basic stuff. People are saying. I mean. Uh, there is no magic answer because we've discussed for the last 40, 50 minutes is that there's a multitude of issues that we can see mm. and there's probably a load more that we, we can't. can't. Lest we forget the financials as well of getting rid of another manager and getting another one in. Oh, I don't think finances is a problem. Liam Moore said that when he met the owner. The owner said money's not an issue. Well, if so that's that was fine. the case, we'd have damn better players going through the door, wouldn't we? Yeah, I just look at that meeting and I look at it. Here's a tenner, goes, go and buy yourself something yeah, nice. I don't yeah. quite believe everything that came out of that, possibly. <laughs> uh, Liam Moore's agent is on the phone as we speak. <laughs> yeah. oh, sorry, it's not his agent, it's his lawyer. <laughs> I believe Liam Moore. I just feel that images of... Uh, it was portrayed in a way that wasn't necessarily... Yeah. yeah. Well, but that's us being cynics again, and we've been turned from yeah. fans into cynics. 
to capitalise. Totally. Well, if you're watching a team that hardly ever wins a match in well over half a season, well, there's no bright side. You, you, you kind of, if you're not losing hope at that point, we're not even in the top league. In the Premier League, you say, okay, yeah, we're not really good enough for that. But in the Championship? Mm. Uh, to, to add a little bit of brevity, I was uh, sitting next to an Arsenal fan last week, <laughs> and he, he just went, oh, it's absolutely shameful, disgusting what's happening. And I said, what? And I thought he was talking something else other than football, and he said, oh, being an Arsenal fan. And I just said, you don't you know you're no born. <laughs> yeah. You have yeah. no idea. I mean, we're no. not the worst club in the world. There's plenty of others that are suffering, like you say, Charlton, that are worse than us. But for an Arsenal fan to decry their situation compared to what we're enduring, no. have a word. Definitely. Yeah. Somebody's brought the recruitment as well. Harry says, what's your thoughts on letting go of players like Jake Cooper, Tarek Fosu, John Samuel, all under Teverton, I believe, just to sign with Shane, Luca and Bulldog for big money? let's face it have been terrible so far would you agree recruitment has been awful yeah they have but they're, they're two separate things um, the players that we let go haven't done any better than what we are now Jake Cooper's done better um, done right I mean, I just mean in collectively yeah. the amount of players that we've let go um, the amount that do better off uh, other clubs compared to, to us is, is scant so I wouldn't say that element is bad the recruitment in is obviously definitely an issue yeah. That is is without doubt at all, I think. I'd probably go as far as saying that's my main issue. I know it's influenced by other things. I mean, different managers, different owners, you know, changing environment, all this. But the last two seasons worth of recruitment, I'd say, which has been dire. I think Um, most players that you see that we're either linked with or we do actually sign... Was it, apart from a few exceptions, you think, what have we done that for? Yeah. I stand I think what we got, is, we Yeda made sense, yeah. Milo made sense, uh, well, Moore, Bulldog Mo kind of ba- made yeah. sense. Mo Barrow, like you yeah. said. That Paul. made sense, but like a Luca didn't make sense at all for the amount of money we reported he paid from either actual or the reported seven and a half million. Mm. That never made sense. Edwards didn't make sense. Um, Popper didn't make sense. And then you get players like Sam Walker, who, I mean, I know, you know, you speculate about his relationship with Clement, you know, and and all this, and all how he wants three good keepers, but goalkeeper, the goalkeeper position was not our problem position going into this summer. And we're prioritising that or getting him in ahead of a striker, which we've been crying out for years. So, or a certain type of striker who's guaranteed to. Score goals for us. So I don't know. It's it's a good point that I can't. Who did you say raised the Harry? Thing? Harry. Yeah, I think he's spot on. I think that's um, a driving force behind a lot of our on the Certainly surface issues. Anyway. Uh, definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, recruitment. I say not just on ability. I'll say character. And I'm always banging on about this, but it really. I think it me. almost goes by the wayside a little bit these days. I think I think that they're more concerned with what points they can they can gain the team what, what they can do individually how they're going to fit it within the team rather than personality wise or what they, how they help the squad um, not to say it's hard to say whether there's obvious bad eggs in the squad but you do wonder how much collectively they're gelling together through this malaise that we're in because you don't see finger pointing on the pitch you don't see them shouting I know Van der Berg did it last season quite a few times but 
it's so isolated. You just don't see that communication. You don't see that inverted commas care um, fight for each other. Um, so you, you do wonder whether players are brought in for their function rather than the fit. Um, I think with the team, I think there's is they don't play as a team. They don't look like a team. They don't act like a team. No. Um, they can do it for one or two games and put up the show for a bit and put a performance in. Mm. You know, they, but they can't do it consistently. It, so that tells me a bunch of players they don't trust each other. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a veneer, isn't it? You know, um, that's over a period of time. I'm not saying that after one game because it's not a nice thing to say about your own team. But no. they don't trust each other, so why should we trust them? No, I, I, really. I can't remember which one of you said it at some point during the week all the days blend into one at the moment but um, it's oh god I've just forgotten what I was going to say <laughs> um, <laughs> it came out from that one I've come on yeah, to this one. oh that was it that was oh, it I've back. got it I've got it's it back. I'm back you're folks. back from I'm the back. brink um, yeah so we talk about how well, we need them to dig in now we need them to dig in oh, they've got one mean. behind yeah thank you Neil so <laughs> you said oh well Digging in should not be should like be a luxury. Default, yeah. Digging in should be how you're wired. You're a professional. Absolutely, you know? yeah. You should dig in across the span yeah. of the game. It's like if you can't you do it for to. your team, you do it for yourself. Yeah. And then that, that should, ideally, spur the others on to match your level of intensity. Instead of needing to dig in if and when. Yeah. You just, you know, that's that's it that's the bare minimum that we expect and we're not seeing that are we I mean it, with there, there is the worry that I don't know I mean yeah it's just the worry it really is I came away from that game on Saturday being probably yeah as I think I tweeted the most agitated I've been because the most worried as well genuinely worried because mm. you go away from some games over the last 10 years or whatever it is 20 years we've been relatively successful and you think, oh, it's a bit annoying we didn't get to go up to within three points of the play or so get to automatic. Mm. And you think, oh, you know, I'd love that now. But now I look at every aspect of the club and I'm worried. Yeah. I look at the players, I look at the contracts, I look at the chief executive, I look at the manager, I look at the owners. And I know some people say they spent money on the training ground, but nobody knows what they want to do. No. Nobody. And they seem to have a scattergun approach to everything. And that is reflected on the pitch, as I keep on saying. We've got no leadership no. from anyone. I mean, even the training ground, as expensive as it, it's purportedly costing, that's not filled with magic either the players no. are still the same players it's that are going to be doing the training exactly. on, on the same kind of pitch that they've done before it's not as magic it's it's training. no no it's but it's that. it's that's no. going to take three four five seasons for that that fruition of the train ground to actually you but know, that keeps our category um, oh yeah it does but it, it doesn't it, it won't keep us in in the championship no no that is definitely true we need uh, well I mean I would love to be able to think that a new manager would make everything better enough improve it enough to so we would get to 50 points but honestly can you and if you're listening to this can you really look at those players and see anything in them that makes you believe that they're prepared to perform over a 10 game period where they actually put in 100% because I think A.D. Williams said something and bring him up again at the end of last season he said how many times have we seen the players come off and they've given 100% yeah yeah. And I don't think we see that in a lot of games. I think with, with last season when, you know, Stan was in the, in the midst of his one win and 18 run, we were saying we needed a different message to come out. The players were tired of the 
the rhetoric of, of you know playing football in a certain way and then Clemens come in and he's given him that different message and we are playing in a different way but the results just aren't tangible so that clearly points to the fact that two pretty decent managers in my opinion can't get anything different out of this group even though we've had eight additions and Lord knows how many exits that same thing seems to be still apparent that we're still just as dreadful as we were before so the problems have have got to be collectively elsewhere as well as on the pitch as we covered in the rest of the definitely because someone else has asked Grace the last question we do gets wrong quickly is realistically if we go down home do you think we'd stay down and I asked the uh, on the part of how long we'd stay down there and uh, 55% of you said two to three years so none of you well sorry not none of you 18% of you think we're going to go back in one but most of you don't I think for me yeah. bigger clubs than us far bigger clubs than yeah, us you look bigger. at Sunderland you look at um, Charlton good at again Yes. Yeah, they go yeah, down like Wigan are like the perennial yo-yo, yo-yo teams, team. But, well, but yes. they're, they're scaled that way, though, mm. aren't they? That, that, that's pretty much they, they know what their their short term limits are going to be. Whereas us, we're thinking well, we don't know what, what we're what we're fighting against. We don't we don't know what if we, the club want us to be mid table or I think above. we're going to Yeah, that nobody knows what that plan is. So, and I can't believe at the moment they're thinking. What on earth would happen if we went down? I think but financially, that would just be absolutely. I think if mess. we went down, we'd be down for years. I think that the strange, perverse temptation of some people that you know who want almost want us to go down for the clean slate, which yeah. sounds like a nuts thing to say yeah. in itself, is I think those same people think that will be as low as we have to sink. Whereas I'm of the opinion, if we do go down, if we do go through the trapdoor. We've got a lot further to sink than that because the academy one uh, academy is going to go. The attendances will just plummet. Mm -hmm. The players, well, we're damned if we do, damned if we don't with them because we're sustaining contracts that we won't be able to keep on paying in the league below. Mm -hmm. Like Sunderland have now, they're saddled with players that they don't want to play that they're still having to pay. Um, a couple I, of players that haven't even turned up for training this season. Exactly. Well. So, so I, I mean, I'm not for a second suggesting that you know we're just going to completely blow up or like fall into oblivion. I don't want to like hyperbolize it, but I don't think it's as straightforward as us going down, doing a Wolves, going, oh, we're better now, and then mm-hmm. coming straight up, straight back up again it's just not going to happen no I can't see it another club I'd say is Norwich they went down to League One and then he got championship straight away promotion then he went to the Premier League I just can't see us doing that yeah. we think yeah. we're too much of a kind of completely out of control yeah. we, if we went down things would get worse Yeah, not better I mean we, we need that that clean sweep of a broom if you like that League One would give us but not the fallout that you get alongside. But it immediately it's... devalues all of your players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, so, and then, yeah. as James That's says, true. you've got players that are earning, mm. let's say, 20k a week that far outstrip what normal League One players will be on, and then they're unsellable. I think some people still think Reading are a club that live within their means and therefore have that platform of stability that mm. if they get a confident run, they can just go on a run. But I don't think we have that anymore. I think no. now that we are living beyond our means, we if there is a bump, we're not just going to spring back 
it will be something on top of another thing that precipitates another bad thing and it's just going to go oh yeah it's going to be out of control and also the players are getting a 50% pay cut immediately Uh, so all of those players in any way you like even those ones like I don't know let's see an example someone like Clement is he really going to stay Pelle Clement if he's uh, in League One so even those young players you think oh they're playing League One yeah they might not be here. No. All I mean, of a sudden they're gone. I think to use a really yeah. crass metaphor, I think if we do go down, it won't be like a catalyst that was going back up again. It will just be lighting a piece of touch paper to keep on going down. Yeah, this is why we were all so relieved when we stayed up last season. Yeah. Because yeah. it'd be... I, I personally think it'd be abysmal yeah. if we go down. I yeah. don't think people realise how bad it would be going back to playing in front of six and seven thousands on a Saturday afternoon oh, that, against I mean, uh, who's in League One I don't know Fleetwood yeah someone like that I mean can you imagine that I mean we're already at the stage where we've got a half full stadium most yeah. weeks now mm-hmm. um, and that will just be almost chopped in half I'd expect if normal. it went down yeah, yeah so, a good crowd would be about 12,000, 13,000 yeah god uh, it's just so, thinking about but here we are I mean yeah. it's September it's September the 4th when we're recording this and we're already talking about relegation on the Unpart Rules podcast. It, exactly. It's, it's the past 33 games, isn't it? Or 32 before yeah. this our last Saturday. It's not really just this season now, is no, it? No, it's, it's accumulation of shit. Definitely, really. definitely. Yeah. So we won't be back next week uh, because, honestly, I think we all need a rest from it. Right. Stay, <laughs> stay off the happy pills. So <laughs> I'd really appreciate it if you've listened to it, especially to this point, because you've done incredibly well. Yeah, give yourself a round of applause. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Go and have a drink, whatever yeah, your I mean, poison yeah, is. If you can prove that you've listened to this point, I'll buy you a drink when I see you. That might be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> don't have the budget. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's very generous of Neil to offer Thank you. <laughs> Come to Nando's. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks a lot for le- listening, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thanks. <laughs>